Hey everybody, welcome in. I want to share a little bit of a story with you. When I started uh, my coaching business, it just started out slow. A few one-on-one clients. This is coming out of my accident. 12 years ago, I only could work, uh, actually 10 years ago, I can only work uh, literally five or six hours a week because of a severe uh, traumatic brain injury I had. And it was the only thing that I could do to even try to provide some income for my family. But that business, let's fast forward two years now, all of a sudden, I'm working with teams and I'm working with companies and man, I desperately needed help. So I had a conversation with my wife. She'd gone back to work to help support the family. Uh, she'd been my caregiver during that entire recovery and was there to take care of me and the kids. And this was a really challenging period. But we're like, you know what? What if we could work together and that income she was earning as a physical therapist, she could earn for us working together. We even went through a period, we went and did a disc assessment. We sat down with a coach and we figured, okay, here's the roles and the responsibilities. But I'm looking back at it now and in that, we made a number of mistakes as a couple on how to work together. And it started getting awkward. It started getting a little bit crunchy. It started actually affecting our relationship and not in a good way. I mean, um, you try to hold your wife accountable or <laughs> Kaylee, you were talking to me about uh, somebody just like me that gave their wife a performance review uh, because they were working together. And I'm sure that that is a fantastic story. But here's where we ended up is that, you know what, working together as an entrepreneur, as a couple for my wife and I didn't work. And so we decided to pull that apart nicely. Now, our deepest desire is to actually work that way. And uh, my good friend, Steve Ryder, who you guys know, is just uh, an amazing human being. He told me about you guys and what you had written, that you worked together and you've written a book called The Married Entrepreneur's Guide for Greater Work-Life Balance. And it's so much more than just work-life balance. It's actually how do you work together as a couple? It's such a minority of people that are even entrepreneurs. And then even a smaller number yet, they're trying to do this with their spouse. And you guys wrote, and what I love about it, it's not just a book on how to do this with your spouse, but it's also a business book on things. Uh, just, it's fantastic. So everybody, I want to introduce you to Robert and Kaylee Fakui. Uh, folks, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, John. I really appreciate you having us on and glad we can make this work. Yes, thank you so much. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and thanks for the shout out for our, our book, Tandem. Appreciate that you enjoyed it and got something out of it. Yes, it's going to be a fun interview. So um, you guys, have, we're going to get a little bit into your backgrounds, big backgrounds, but you guys founded a company called I-61 Incorporated. It's business consulting. You guys specifically work with married entrepreneurs. So you're, you're working with them to not only create that work-life balance, to structure the business to scale, but also to help them build a successful business. And doing that, one of your goals, because you've been able to do it yourself, is to give some of that precious time back, that mark, creating that margin so that the owner can also invest in their marriage. Because a lot of us, as a lot of us have been entrepreneurs and in my life, right? It feels like there's no such thing as work-life balance. I'm making a choice to be out of balance for a season. And for me, because I, I tend to work too much, like I work 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And my wife is amazing. She, know, she knows what it's like to be an entrepreneur and we make that important time important. That said, though, it just feels like the longer you're in that, when you're in that mode, 
you just move out of that flow. Honestly, I, this is how I feel. I move out of that flow of really working with God and what's important, moving out of that flow of having just that great relationship with my wife. And then things all of a sudden, it's like this slow fade. And then you're in this place where you're just frustrated. I call it this place of smoldering discontent. And you're not even sure sometimes how you got there. You just know you don't like it. And you're like, okay, how do I change it? And then you got yourself there. How do you get yourself out? Well, what I found is if I get myself into a jam, I'm usually not the person then that can get myself out of the jam without any help at all. So with that, I'd love to turn it over to you guys and share a little bit about your story and your background and how you uh, both had your separate careers, but then came together. And then we're going to get into talking about what you learned as you did that. And now what's led to you helping others. Yeah, but Robert, let's start. Let's Robert. Let's start with you, since you're the one who uh, is on the front of the tandem bike. <laughs> That's all the discussion there, right? <laughs> well, you notice, John, that on the picture, that ten, picture of the tandem bike on the cover, there's no people on it, right? So it's just a, it's just the bike. So we had discussion with our designer about that. You know, whether you put a person, you know, a couple on there, and so you know all the pictures you see line you know it's a man in front and a woman in the back our designer said no don't leave that up for some kind of male chauvinist comments it's just leave it blank and let people picture themselves on it (laughs) and so we had a little discussion around that so we purposely left it you know without people on it (laughs) so So you get to pick what position you want yeah exactly so you and your you and your spouse can choose (laughs) it's not up to us but um yeah, my background's, uh, my dad was a pastor in Hawaii, and I kind of grew up in the church. I mean, literally, you know, we had a par- parsonage next door to the church, so we, we lived and grew up in there. And one of the things, you know, my dad was a great man of God, um, very dedicated to the faith, to the church. One of the issues is, just like a lot of entrepreneurs and just like a lot of executives and just kind of A-type driven people, is that they're so focused on the organization and the profession that the family took a back seat basically. And that's kind of what I experienced. And because of that, you know, one thing I didn't want to do when I grew up was be a pastor because it just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth from a lot of reasons. But also what, you know, you kind of learn from your environment. And so when I went through college and then got a marketing degree, got my first job out of Coca-Cola, you know, I'm driven to succeed, want to climb the corporate ladder and all that. And, you know, I'm doing that and I'm making money, married, uh, got a first house, got a first puppy. <laughs> so you're doing all these things, checking the boxes. You know, you got your degree. You're now in your corporate job. I mean, I was working for Coca-Cola. I mean, you know, right. My first job out of college was with a, a great, a big brand. And so careers are going, her career's moving up too. And, you know, everything's, you know, we're in our mid thirties, everything's going well. And then 21 years ago, right before Christmas, my wife is going to work, driving to work, and 10 minutes literally from this the seat, she gets in a car accident and passes away. She dies at the scene. So obviously this is not my current wife, Kaylee. This is my first wife. And, you know, that's when obviously things shut down. You know, it just one first, I was just kind of going through that period of just denial. But as I'm processing all this, you know, you start to want, okay, what's really important? Right. That's those moments like you start to think about what's really important. And so, you know, kind of long story short, you know, met Kaylee a couple of years afterwards and, 
you know, we're going through our careers again and starting our business. And then, so one of the things I had to be intentional about, and, you know, she was always good about challenging me about marriage first. Right. And then, you know, in the book talks about how we went into counseling before we even got married. And so actually through Kaylee, you know, my relationship with Kaylee and how she was more focused on family than, than success and career um, really started to switch that just for me personally and you, honey. Yeah. And I think that stemmed from, I was, I'm third generation entrepreneur, my grandparents and then my parents and then us. And I saw a lot of the challenges uh, and there was a lot of benefits. Don't get me wrong with having a family business, but it was really hard on our family. My dad worked six days a week. He wasn't home much. There was four strong-willed children. Sometimes I think he just wanted to get out of the house, and <laughs> have quiet time and be away from his kids. It was stressful on my mom because she wanted needed help and wanted him to be around. I don't recall to this day if he even made it to my high school graduation because he was just always busy. And he's like, oh, I've got so much to do all the time. And back then, uh, work ethic was really super important. When he was growing up, my dad, your work ethic was who you were. And so he grew up in that environment. And then when he had his own business, he just thought the answer to everything for being an entrepreneur is just work harder, work harder, work harder. And I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we're just trying to get by from day to day and we're wearing all these different hats, but we don't necessarily either have the time or to educate ourselves to take all these different classes like Robert did in the corporate company. They were always going to a training. So we're just trying to figure things out and put out the fires sometimes from minute to minute. And so that doesn't leave a lot of time for the family and uh, our family ended up separating because of it. Thank you for sharing that. And Robert, you talk about when your first wife died. I'm so sorry for that. And our good friend, Steve Ryder, went through that recently with, yeah. with Elizabeth. And, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but you said in that for you, it really helped you redefine success and really see the world very differently. Could you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So, yeah, you start really processing a lot. I mean, just during that first week after she passed, but actually it was that next morning, the day, the morning after was where I really saw what success looked like. And the doorbell rings, I open the door and my family, my friends from one, at least represented one from fourth grade, high school, college, and at Coca-Cola were at my doorstep. And they all had to drive like eight hours at least to yeah, get to your house. From San Jose to Pasadena. Um, I'd already left Coke at the time. I was working for a pharmaceutical company. I'm down here in Pasadena. So the next morning they're at my doorstep. And so I mean, just open the door and there's this picture of, <laughs> you know, people from different phases of my life were there um, the next day. And so, you know, really that's kind of what defines success is the relationships and carried that even through my corporate career and even in business, it's it's all about relationships. And if you are so focused, like even in business, if you're only focused looking at your customers as a number, mm-hmm. you know, as a dollar sign, then yeah, you you can make money at it, but it's also not as fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And so when everything in your life, you're focused on relationships from business and of course your marriage and your family, your friends and all that, when you're really investing the relationships at all levels, then your success, right? Regardless of how much money you have, because you know when my mom, well, my when my wife passed away, money doesn't matter, right? Everything just stopped, 
And then money didn't matter. I mean, no, nothing really mattered. You're just like, what the heck, right? And then the moment these, my friends and my family are there, you're like, wow, that's really fulfilling. Because even, and this is just a note, like, you know, I know like when someone close to you maybe has a loved one that passes away and you want to support them, but you don't know what to do, you don't know what to say, and you feel your words are inadequate, anything you do is inadequate. And it's true to an extent, but just being present is so important to the individual that's lost somebody. Yeah, you don't have the words, nothing, no words or things you can do will, will soothe anything per se, but your presence actually does because you feel so lonely in those moments. You know, I'm sure Steve had that same thing. We've had, this, I've, Steve and I have had discussions about this. You feel so lonely, but just knowing people are there and care about you is just so, it, it does help. It does kind of uh, feel, feed your soul. So yeah, what's defined success now? It's relationships. Mm-hmm. So really knowing, okay, as I'm building a business, it's like, okay, my most closest, you know, human relationship, my wife, how am I doing there? Right. That's the first check is how am I doing there? And we're, if, we're, if we're missing it, then we need to fix something. Well, Wait. and two. Go ahead, Julie. I love my parents, but I didn't want a relationship like my parents. And so I was bound and determined to do things differently. And that's part of the reason we went to counseling for, uh, when we first met is just I wanted to be, I wanted us to have a successful marriage. You know, well, you're bringing up a great point, right? First, having that counseling before you get married, I think that's so important. And Don and I have even gone to counseling, even when we're doing well, but she's like, hey, how do we get gooder? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Right. We can always be a little gooder. And then, you know, you don't want to go when you're in crisis. And now what you said, Robert, now you have this awareness and you you talk about this, right? Because you're at a full time job at a big brand doing marketing. And then you said, you know, what? I'm going to build I'm going to start doing some consulting on the side, which then became actually your full time job. But now you're adding things to your plate. Right. And as entrepreneurs, we love doing that. We're like, oh, yeah, I got an idea. I can make it fit. Right. I can sleep yep. less. Uh-huh. Now, I'm guessing that tested your ability to prioritize your marriage, right? Because all of a sudden you're adding demands to your calendar sure. and to your energy and to just how you show up. So take us back to that point when you were when you said, OK, I'm going to start something on the side. What did you learn? Both of you learn in that that you've brought forward. We'll start with you, Kaylee. What, how about you from your end? As Robert started building the consulting business, what what was your counsel? Well, I always saw him as having, when I first met him, I always saw him as having his own business and he thought I was crazy. He's like, oh, there's no way. I'm going to stay at corporate. I'm never going to leave because I'm from the entrepreneur world. So I just figured, oh, I see that in him. Yeah, I'm not a big risk taker. So I'm like, nah, that's a big risk. <laughs> and I think some of the challenges were when you left your full-time job, we already had some clients lined up right away. We went to on a trip to Honduras. We went to Aruba and we did some other things. And then after a period, I'm sure you can, uh, this might have happened to you, John. And then after a little bit, it, you get into that lull where things are not as busy as you would have liked. So then Robert's putting in more time and more hours. And when he left his corporate job, I was kind of prepared myself for it. I thought, okay, I can do this for a season. Because I know, call me crazy. I kind of like hanging out with my husband. <laughs> he can be fun. And so in my mind, but we didn't have anything definite. So then he got into 
Well, even when you were working both jobs, you were up to like two in the morning and I was going to bed by myself and he was exhausted. And I could look at him. I didn't say anything to you, but I could look at him and I, by his eyes and I could see, oh my gosh, he's so tired. But you just kept doing it. And then I think you realized you came to a breaking point where you just uh, couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. I mean, Kaylee was very gracious during that period of transition. She was thinking I could do this for a while, handle this for a while, not really, you know, being around me. I mean, more mentally and emotionally, because you know, my office is always at home, even in pharmaceuticals. So even when I was working, I was still at home technically. But yeah, I was working till 2 a.m. You know, once I'm done with my full time job, then after dinner, then I'm doing my consulting. And you know, I was just like a lot of entrepreneurs, just accept the fact you're just going to have to sacrifice time and family time. That's basically it. And so I didn't think anything of it. And I'm just thinking, like you said earlier, John, you know, entrepreneurs love to just fill up our plate. <laughs> we got to be busy. We got to be busy. Got to be busy. And yeah, it got to a point where, you know, even though I did have one boundary is not working on Saturdays and Sundays. So I said, I'll just burn it, you know, Monday through Friday and then Saturday, and Sunday, I'll, I'll be off. But I was so exhausted physically, mentally, emotionally, and I guess probably even spiritually, that, you know, Saturday morning, I'd walk the dog and then I'd, we'd have breakfast. And then I just want to take a nap. I was just like, I'm done. So even when we're, when I'm, we're with each other, I was mentally and emotionally not even there. Um, and a lot of time physically, I'm just had to go sleep. So it got to a point where I'm thinking I was late at night working at the computer, just right here at this desk. And I'm like thinking, you know, I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I'm like, God, is this your best? Like, even in transition, is this your best? Yes, I knew I do have to, there's no way around doing the consulting work after hours because I have obligations to my employer, right? That's first and foremost. But even in that, does it need, mean I have to burn it till 2 a.m.? Can I get to bed a little earlier? I can't do it. How can I structure this so that by weekend hits that I'm present for Kaylee, right? Because I don't, it's not fair it's one thing to think about me, but I'm like thinking about Kaylee and I'm like, wait a second, that's not fair. Right? That's not right. Even though she's being gracious about it, but I'm like, wait, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Like, you know, God values family first, right? He created family before business. And so he values family first, which means regardless of what our situation is, my best is to God first and then my wife. Right. And so I started questioning everything and I'm like, you know, this whole busyness thing and, you know, fill your calendar and, you know, burn it till, you know, sacrifice your personal time and all that. I was like, that's just something culture has created that people have accepted, but it's not a rule. It's not a law. So I just start questioning. and just praying. I'm like, okay, Lord, this is not how it should be. I don't believe this is your best. So how, even in this transition, how can I do it better? And so that I can be, get to bed a decent time. And by the weekend hits, I'm present for Kaylee. So I really just started pairing off my calendar and just really started to say no to more things. And so I can focus on the things that were most important that would ramp up the business so that I can leave. And then that way I'd have a little bit more of my life back, right? Going more to kind of just have the business now and not have my full-time job and a business. So really start to focus on what will make me, what will grow this in a way that I can now leave and then just be focused on the business, which meant there's a lot of things that were coming at me, both personally and even in business that I had to say no to, as opposed to just saying yes to everything and just fill up the calendar. There's a lot of things in our calendars are really not essential 
Um, there's things that you just have to put off for a little bit or minimize or even just purely eliminate so that you can focus on the things that are most important. So that's kind of the story there. Well, something there to take away that I, that I have to remind myself of daily and that's, you know what, turn to God and say, God, what should I be working on today? Mm -hmm. Because I can feel, it's like a, you know what, I think of a plate of food at Thanksgiving. Like, I mean, it is like, there's nine things on there they're all amazing and you can't wait to dig in and you're just going to be stuffed because if it was like you know a little bit of a couple things you're like no 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 there's more room but then <laughs> as i was thinking of as you were talking but i know i'm, I'm guessing when people are listening to this right because they can relate i know we have a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners and their schedule is crazy so as you started as you said okay lord show me what i'm doing here what do I say yes to? What do I say no to? Is this something you guys then discussed together? Could you talk about maybe even what are some of those things you said yes and no to? How did you start to move toward a bit, either a better sense of balance or not not just being exhausted? Because I I remember times being in that mode, Robert, you talked about, hey, let's get through the week and I can slip in on Saturday. That was too far out to me. Thinking of getting through the week to me was literally exhausting. It would crush my spirit. So there was times on Sunday night, I said, okay, I just need to get through tomorrow night. And then I'm going to reset and gird myself and get through Tuesday night. And man, that was no way to live. And I'd love to hear specifically how you guys made some of the changes in, in that dynamic. Well, the first thing was just looking at the calendar, you mm -hmm. know, and, you know, because pretty much I put everything on the calendar. And so looking at everything and saying, okay, what's a priority for now? What's more of a thing for later? Because a lot of times, the big priorities, like say, you know, as a consultant, as a coach, and need to develop programs and, you know, systems and, you know, lead magnets or whatever. And there's a lot of just things that you, want, you need to handle now. So like emails, for example, you know, just responding to a bunch of emails and keeping the email window open. And as I'm working, I, you know, you get ping notified and then I'd go back there. And there's a lot of things that just distract you from having focus work on the things that are important. Like that'll help grow the business. That'll either, you know, as you're building a new product or, or reaching out to very important people or potential customers or a big contract or something. But there's a lot of things that just come at you all the time that we just respond to, you know, so emails, texts, phone calls, that sort of things. And people make some inquiries or church wants a volunteer for something. So it's not even just business related. There's always something coming at you. So as you're sitting at your desk, you know, there's a lot of stuff coming. And so one of the things I did was one was just like on emails, for example, was only check them three times a day. It's just morning, around lunchtime, and day in the day. And that's it. And I'll go back to it. That way, when I'm working on something, I can stay focused on it. Then as I'm looking at the to-do list, it's like, okay, what is it that's more of a long-term thing that I can just maybe do a little at a time over the course of the next week or, or next a month or two versus what's a, a now thing? that we definitely need to do and just kind of bucket those things <laughs> and then put them in the calendar and, and kind of blocks of time, so to speak. And even for like, I even have days that are specific to certain tasks. So Mondays are generally, um, except when we get invited to talk with important people like John Ramstead, <laughs> um, Mondays are just dedicated to working on the business. And then we have our weekly meetings on Monday afternoon. That's our check-in, look at the calendars, see what's coming up, see what we can prepare for and plan for, see what might need to be adjusted. 
And so looking at it for the long term, as opposed to trying to cram everything now or even within a first within a week. Right. So looking a little bit long term. And then Mondays and Wednesdays is my outreach day where I have list of friends, family, colleagues, potential clients, clients where I want to make sure I'm reaching out to when it's not on the schedule, but just reaching out to because relationships right, are important with her, but also extended relationships. And there's also potential clients. And then Friday is my finance day, or at least in the morning, where I just check the books and then kind of look to see what needs to be adjusted or any surprises or any expenses we need to cut out or, you know, whatever, just take a look at those things. So that's an example. I started kind of blocking out even specific duties because otherwise some of those very important things like relationships and finance don't get done. You're just pushing it away because you're just responding to everything else. So that's just kind of how I started to reshift things so it can be more productive um, with the time I have. Well, and I think, too, we had a book tour last year for six weeks. So we had to say no to a lot of things. And there were a lot of good things, but there was no way we could do the book, get the book done, get on the book tour and do all this stuff that we were wanting to do that was our priority if we didn't say no to a lot of other things to get it done. Otherwise, the book, we probably still wouldn't even have it done now because you get sidetracked so easily. And, you know, we come up with the vision and then we're like, we talk about that on our weekly meetings so we can try and stay on task. Yeah. Knows that word that's hard for entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. or just busy people. Because that's why our plate is so full because we're saying yes to everything. (laughs) We don't want to miss out. Right. Well, you know what helped me with that? I remember once I was working with my coach, this is years ago, and I was in that that place that you're just describing. And what she said to me is, John, whenever you say yes, you are saying no to something else. You got to figure out what that no is that that yes not only implies, but actually creates. It could be no to being present for my wife. Mm -hmm. It could be no to pursuing another opportunity. It could be because, you know, somebody, you know, like you guys, people reach out to me from the podcast and the work and the speaking I do, and they, they love to get together and I love to meet people and serve them where they're at. But I'm realizing I could also fill up my calendar with meetings that do not move me toward what God has called me to do right now. And we're in the Mm -hmm. middle of of relaunching the company. We got some exciting things happening. It's going to be a lot of work. And there's a God-sized calling on this to reshape how um, Christians, especially, you know, that are entrepreneurs, are building their businesses and how they're looking at generosity, right? I'm actually very involved in some things here in South Denver and the community. And I see that there's so many groups that could do incredible work, but they're constantly underfunded and they're doing the rubber chicken dinners. But business has the (laughs) ability, yeah. Right. Business has the ability to be the engine to drive societal change, kingdom change at a massive level. But those two are completely decoupled. And so Mm -hmm. now in that, though, if I look at my calendar, um, here's also what I found when I let's say somebody reaches out to me and says, hey, I'd love to get together and meet. And I'm like, you know, hey, you know, thank you so much, Mary. Thanks, Bob. I'd love to get together with you. But right now I'm laser focused between now and the end of the year on these three things. Would it be okay to circle up in January? I just sent that email to somebody. Mm -hmm. And it's a very clear no, right? And it's not an answer that a lot of people expect. But when, you know, the response I get every time I do that is like, wow, that's so cool. Thank you for being so clear. How can I be praying for you? Because they realize, you know what, you're on. So I think getting really in touch with your core values as a couple, as a company, getting really clear about your vision, your purpose, and your mission, 
And now you actually have that framework to look through and say, okay, do I say yes or no to that meeting? Do mm -hmm. I say yes or no to using my time that way? And like you said, right, God, kids, like yesterday I had a conflict in my head. I'm going to my grandson's first soccer game. So I know this is going to be a bunch of six-year-olds running around, <laughs> swarming the ball, having no clue what to do. <laughs> and somebody calls and goes, hey, I got something really important I need to talk to you about. I think it's going to be really helpful for the relaunch. And I was tempted to say, hey, I'll call you while I'm sitting there watching my grandson because I'm just going to be observing. Mm -hmm. Right? Like I had this in my head. I was already yeah. justifying it. Then I mm -hmm. said, no, I've made, because my son is there, right? Uh, my wife, you know, I'm in the family, right? I'm like, no, I'm going to be present. Yeah. I mean, I'll guarantee you it would have sent a message to my wife, my son, to his fiance. Um, if I was sitting there watching the game on call, like, oh, dad's doing it again. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and your grandson, all he had to do is turn around and look at you. Oh, he's on the phone. Mm -hmm. That paying attention. You know? Exactly. And I wanted to add to what you were saying too, John. On our book tour, we learned that um, you have to leave room for the unexpected. Like, don't have every minute so planned and booked that you don't have any time for the Holy Spirit to show up. Because... We tried to plan our, Robert did our trip as well as we could, but he left room and we met so many wonderful people that we felt like the Lord wanted us to meet or places we went because we had some wiggle room there to do that. Yeah, we had, mar we had margin to be able to take advantage of opportunities that popped up as opposed to saying, oh, once I'm done with the trip, then we can meet up or something like that. And also we wanted to have fun as we we're driving around the country. But yeah, to your point, John, with the, the phone thing, always remember one of our nephews mm -hmm. who was talking to his mom and he stopped and says, mom, look at me with your face. Listen to me with listen, your face. Oh, listen to me with your face. Because she's multitasking and she thinks she she's really good. She's, she's yeah. And she's not. <laughs> None of us are. None of us are, even though we think we are. So, okay, work-life balance. So what I'm hearing is learn how to say yes and no. Make the important things important. God, family, business. You have to know some of those priorities. In addition to that, though, on the other side, what are some of you, from your guys' perspective, from not only what you've built, but working with so many entrepreneurs and couples that are entrepreneurs, what are some of those obstacles that get in the way of creating kind of that thriving business where you, you almost kind of feel like, Hey, we're in the flow, honey. <laughs> so as a, just as the business owner, the biggest obstacle to growth is usually ourself. Mm -hmm. And if you're working together as a couple, the biggest obstacle seems to be their ability to make a decision and you make a unified decision to move forward. Mm -hmm. Those are the two things. So if you're not working with your spouse, you know, as the, the business owner, you're usually the roadblock. You define the growth or the um, restriction of the way the business grows because as a lot of business owners that we deal with, they're wearing multiple hats. I'm sure you've heard that phrase. I'm wearing multiple hats. Huge problem, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? That means you're doing everything, which means the business can't grow beyond your own capacity because you're doing everything. And even if you have a team, but the fact that you have to manage everything you know, you're basically, that's a sign of micromanagement. That means that your team doesn't even have the liberty to actually grow. There's, you probably put too many restrictions on even what they can do freely. So you're usually the roadblock or the ability, to, or you can open up the floodgates and just empower people and let it go. 
And even if you're, you know, just working by yourself, a solopreneur is like, there's still things you can contract out or automate some things, or even again, say no to more things, right? So how do you be more productive with the time you have? And how do we make sure we empower as much as possible to the team that we have? Um, Because that's what we've seen growth. And then with the couples, yeah, they just, they can't get on the same page and make a unified decision. That means things don't get moving forward. And even if they're not working together, that still affects the relationship, which spills over into the business, especially if you can't get uh, conflict resolved. Mm. It's huge. People think, oh, it doesn't affect me and my business. But you see so many people that fall because they're having issues with their family life and it does bleed over. And I think that also keeps you stuck in your business and in your relationship because if you have all these things under the carpet we can't talk about they start piling and piling and piling up on you and where is all the love and the connection and feeling that you're on the same page together if there's so many things you can't talk about because resolving conflict builds intimacy and makes you feel like oh we can get through anything we're stronger together we know we're a good team as opposed to fighting each other constantly or just avoiding each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you guys talk in your book about the five love languages. And I've gotten to know Dr. Paul White, who built on that and and wrote the five languages of affirmation at work. And I got to tell you, knowing for my wife and I, that was a game changer. But here's where I've also seen it, though, working with somebody, a leader in my organization, and there was unresolved conflict at home and they were working crazy hours. And they were not getting their, let's just call it their, their love tank was not being filled at all at home and probably vice versa. They were not filling their spouse's love tank. Mm-hmm. But then what happens at work when that coworker, opposite sex, who is mm-hmm. giving you the words of affirmation, yeah. who's doing things for you, and all of a sudden they're on a business trip and you can imagine what happens. And all of a sudden you see two marriages completely destroyed. And, I've, and I'm sure you guys have seen this, right? So we... This is an area that the enemy absolutely is expert at. He's been doing it for thousands of years. If you're an entrepreneur that wants to bring your faith into the world, right? The enemy does not want to see you succeed. He does not, period. We have to be aware. But here's the good thing is, God said he's with you. God said, I'm going to walk with you. God said, you will be victorious with me. I mean, the promises that he has are epic. And we have to, we got to be in the word. We got to be abiding. We got to be having these conversations with our spouse because if we give the enemy an opening, he's going to kick the door open and come in with a platoon to wreak as much havoc as possible. And he is going to delight in it. Yeah. So it's something we have to be very careful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well said. Yeah. And I think praying together as a couple and a family is really important too. It's pretty hard to be upset with your spouse and praying together. You know what I mean? So it's like, that, yeah. that builds a strong bond. And what woman doesn't want their husband praying for them? I mean. Yeah, that's the one thing as Christians, and we were, uh, we were victims of the same thing that we don't do is praying together. Mm-hmm. Like intentional prayer, not just mealtime prayer. We're talking like intentional prayer time together. And we adopted that about four years ago. And we saw a definitely change for the better. And not like where marriage was doing bad anyway, but we just definitely saw another level of intimacy and connection. I was starting the morning every day with prayer, just praying over each other. And not just asking about stuff, but just really just praying over each other and strength and, and wisdom and all that kind of stuff. Because you're basically, it's another way of just affirming your spouse, 
right? And knowing that I got your back. And there's actually some research from Pew Research um, that um, over 1,500 couples, they've surveyed over 1,500 couples that prayed daily together, intentional prayer, and found that only one of those couples actually got divorced. And so it's a 99.9 something success wow. rate. Right. And so we've heard the saying before, and I've heard it from the pulpit, the couple that prays together, the family that prays together, stays together. Well, it's actually true. <laughs> I mean, it's not just something a pastor says, but there's actually statistics that back it up. <clears throat> and psychology would tell you the same thing is that not about prayer per se, but they say you can't praise and criticize someone at the same time. And so when you're praising someone, and in, in our case in prayer, you can't criticize. And when you're doing it routinely, the criticism goes down because you're going to backfill. If you're not praising somebody, you're going to backfill it with something else. <laughs> There's this equilibrium. If you don't praise them, you're going to criticize them. So you must also just praise them more and criticize less, right? Because in our environment, and I'm, I blame it on my dad. You know, I'm never, I'm not good at affirmations. Kaylee's very good at it. And so I needed that prayer time. And even in our weekly meetings, and even in our weekly meetings, we start with praise. <laughs> we start with praise in our weekly meetings. So every opportunity we have just to be intentional, purposely put it in there is to praise because otherwise for me, I'm always like telling her what we can do or what you can do or what you can do better. Right. <laughs> and so, and so I'm like, you know, that's bad because that's how her dad was with her. Mm -hmm. So, which means every time I open my mouth, there's a potential argument because she's going to take it as criticism. And so we have to kind of flip the ratio around, at least for me, I know I have to be very intentional about flipping that ratio around and one way we can do it is like, okay, every morning we just start with prayer. And that that trained me to be more affirming as a husband, right? And so anyways, all to say is that's the one missing ingredient that most Christians just miss. Because there are statistics about that, about couples that actually pray together daily. <laughs> it's not good, right? And yet we're Christians, and it's the one thing that's easy to do. We can do every day, regardless of how busy we are, we can start the day with prayer. And it doesn't have to be a two-hour prayer, mm -hmm. right? And ours is like 10, 15, sometimes 20 minutes, but a lot of times it's five minutes because it is maybe a busier day or whatever. But when we start with prayer, it sets the tone for the day. Yeah, and I think um, I want to build on something you said, too. Too, I think also praying, right, Robert, when you pray for Kaylee, because my wife has such a heart. Right. A lot of our prayer is for, you know, this family member and this situation. And right, she is so others focused. And but sometimes I have to stop and say, hey, honey, just tell me what's going on in your heart, your mind. How can I pray for you specifically? Is there anything mm -hmm. you're hoping for, you're struggling with, a decision? And it's opening up the communication. And I'm praying into that. And she's doing the same thing for me. And adding that in for us has been honestly a game changer. It's really built the relationship because then I know more like what, how's she feeling today? And Kaylee, I'd like to ask you this too, because um, one of the things that you guys both do really well is actually work with couples that are in business together. And what does that add? What other different challenges there or what's the biggest challenge that you guys often see when somebody, let's say my wife and I are working together, we come to you. What do you know is probably going to come up in the conversations? Oh boy, probably a lot of things, but what comes to mind is uh, being in the right seat because sometimes we just need somebody to take a position on and we don't want to usually pay for that position. And it's, I know for myself, I've gotten, asked to do things that I am not good at at all, like QuickBooks. <laughs> I'm the creative type. And I thought, 
Robert was wanting me to do quick was, oh, honey, you could do this, you could do this. And I'm like, well, and I thought, well, he thinks I can do it. Maybe I can, even though it's not really my thing. And so I thought, sure. So then I would put it off because it's not something I love and good at. And Robert would be like, honey, did you get that done? I'm like, no. And he's like, well, I need you to get that done. And so then eventually I would do it. And then he's like, honey, this is wrong. (laughs) He's like, I'm like, it is? And he's like, yeah, things are in the wrong place. You got to move all this around. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then it would turn into sometimes that I'd be upset because I feel like he doesn't appreciate me because I'm really trying and doing my best. Then he's upset because it's not perfect because, you know, that's something that needs to be perfect It's or close to it. It's not like, you know, I could, it could just be colorful and it'll work. You know what I mean? And so then... Yeah, it's not like, oh, I want to go with a different color of, you know, green here. It's like, no. Let's let's turn that red into a black, right? It would would cause conflict. And so, and then we realized, you know what? If you need this done a certain way, I'm probably not the best person for this because I really don't want to do it. I'm just trying to do it to be nice, which I probably should have said no from the beginning. And uh, it didn't turn out well, so. Then Robert's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? He said to me. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know. What do you think I should do? And he says, go meet people. Go make friends. And I'm like, what? He's like, go meet friends. And I'm like, no, but I want like something really like important, like something that's meaningful. And he's like, that is. And I'm like, honey, that's not. And he's like, yeah, you'll be the salesperson. But we'll just say you go make friends because I like the sound of that better resonates more with me and I said oh I can do that he goes because we were in a coffee shop the other day and you're talking to a complete stranger and they invited us over for dinner and Robert's just wanting to get in and out and get his coffee yeah, I'm, an, I'm an introvert even though I, was, I spent a lot of years in sales <laughs> did very well but that's not my go-to and so I just want to get my coffee order and get out and then her over here she's meeting everybody and making friends with everybody so I'm like that's your strength go make friends <laughs> so sometimes you don't your strength can be something you don't really notice in yourself just because you it's your go-to and you think everybody else is good at that as well. So I think it made a big difference, you noticing that and saying it to me. Now I'm up and running and out meeting friends and having a good old time and doing stuff that I love. So that's one example. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is it's important to, I think, be really clear on the roles and responsibilities. But our, you know, there's always going to be in every, especially a business, well, even as it scales, right? There's, you will have to wear a couple hats sometimes, Robert, right? Like sometimes there's stuff I just gotta do. Like, I don't love proposal writing. I'm effective at it. It takes me longer than it should, but I don't, I don't have the money to go hire somebody that's, you know, like a, you know, an A-level proposal writer for some of the stuff we do with the military. But now if I commit to do it and I say, okay, yep, team, I will own it. And then I miss a deadline that affects everybody. Mm-hmm. So now when you're doing that and you're having these conversations, you're having these meetings now, now it's, you know, let's say Don and I were together. Just that whole concept of role clarity and accountability and accountability structures. That is where we struggled personally, Don and I. I'd be, I thought I was super clear. I had not maybe equipped her really well, let's say, to do the books. I would never have Donna do the books. She hates technology, but <laughs> that's not one I would have uh, outsourced, Robert. I'm just saying. I, sometimes you but, I mean, it's hard enough sometimes with your own team, but then you add in the marital relationship with it. Any any thoughts on that? If we're working together and I'm just struggling with, you know what, just, oh, once in a while, it just 
that just didn't feel right or I don't feel appreciated. Yeah. And those things are creeping in because if they're not addressed quickly, they they tend to just be the subtext that festers and causes problems. Yeah. I mean, you talk about just basic good old communication mm -hmm. and conflict resolution. So, you know, the there's some data out there that, you know, 80% of how we interpret information is based on how it was said, not what was said. So we get onto arguments based mm -hmm. on emotional trigger. <laughs> so you could be saying something totally accurate, right, and, you know, clear communication in your eyes. But on the other end, she might be interpreting it a little bit differently, and she'll react to that interpretation. Not in a basic, it could be a tone or just an assumption or whatever. And without clarifying, then all of a sudden we just interpret something and it triggers, and then you get an emotional response, and now there's an argument. And that's what we see with you know a lot of our clients when they're working together. A lot of times you don't tend to have that if it's just you and your staff, but when it's your spouse, there's a different, there's more emotional stuff that you comes with it. Right. And there's a lot. And so a lot of time, it's just purely that is lack of clarifications and too much assumptions and just kind of run with it. And we start arguing about mainly the emotional trigger. Then it really is the topic at hand, like whatever it is you wanted her to do or check out the argument really becomes the emotional response. And I don't know if this has happened to you, John, but Robert and I have got into an argument before and we're agreeing on the same thing. We just don't realize it. So one time I brought up something, I don't remember what the issue was, and I'm like, you're not listening to me. And then Robert's like, yes, I am. And then, and then I think the next day you came back and you said, honey, do you realize I think we are agreeing on the same thing? I'm agreeing with you. He's like, do you realize that? And I said, no. I didn't think you were agreeing with me. I thought you were totally like seeing things different yeah, through different eyes. And there, he's like, no, we, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, there was one aspect of disagreement, but the core issue, like the big picture part of this decision, we agreed on. But we got caught up in this little detail that really didn't matter as much. But it became a big deal because she thought I didn't agree at all on anything that she was saying. And I go, no, we agree on this one major issue. And it's just this one detail we have to just resolve. And I asked her, I said, do you realize we agree more than disagree on this topic? And she's like, no. <laughs> she gave me this like short nope. <laughs> and I told her. I, I told can her, so relate. Yeah, I told her this, you know, the major part that we agree on. She's like, oh. And then that thing that we disagreed on before, we Was came no to an deal. agreement right, right there at that moment. But it became such a bigger issue. Again, it was an emotional response. She'd made this assumption that I just to not validate anything that she said, didn't hear her, all that stuff. And it was just that uh, that one assumption, just that the argument was about that. <laughs> and we didn't stop and clarify. And so what we we do now, what we've added since then is when we come into this disagreement, we start with what do we agree on? What do we agree on? And let's build from that mm -hmm. as opposed to just dealing with the point of disagreement and make it, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And let's just start with what we agree on. Well, you know what I realized too, is when I, when I create that, what I've learned, you know, is if I can step in almost my observer self, I'm coming from a place of either judgment. That was wrong. That's not how I would do it. I don't think that's what was said versus a place of you're trying to learn or a place of curiosity. 
Mm-hmm. Is if I can actually use my coaching skills in my marriage without coaching my wife, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> then things get gooder. Yes. I'm like, okay, she just said this, and you didn't appreciate it. Da, da, da. I'm like, okay. Instead of defending that, if I have the presence of mind, which I often fail at, but if I can just say, hey, you know, hey, honey, what made you say that? What made you feel unappreciated? How could I do this better? This needed to be done by this point. It wasn't done. It's going to probably happen in the future. How do we, what would work for you? But I think if if I can stay in that place of loving her, assuming yeah. good intent, yeah. and being curious and trying to learn, we generally have a really good outcome. When I don't do that, that's when it's, you know, it's a couple days of, you know, mm-hmm. frostiness. How's that? Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Clarification, be curious. Yeah. Be more of a coach as opposed to being directed. Right? And you know, what works for us too is asking each other, what What do you need right now? Because sometimes, you know, one time Robert asked me, I was upset about something. What do you need? And I said, honey, I just need a hug. And he gave me a hug, which his eyes were like all big and wide, like what a hug? I'm like, yeah, a hug. So he gave me a hug. And then I was up and running and off. And he's like looking back, like, that's it. I need to fix something. Like, can't be that easy. Can't be that simple. Yeah, Robert, you got to hug more, man. Let's go be a hugger. I know. So, cause you, you know, as men and generalizing here, but as men, we want to fix it. A lot of times women just want to share and express for frustration or whatever without wanting a fix. Right. And so I know when, it's so frustrating, right? <laughs> so when, you know, she just wants me to empathize and I want to fix this thing. And so, you know, I've got five solutions when she's talking about that and that just frustrates her more. Right. So, mm-hmm. so now when we get into that, we call it cycle of insanity, you know, everybody's saying the same thing and, and expecting a different outcome. And so obviously we're not communicating well because we have different expectations based on what's happening. Right. And so our magic question is someone's got to stop and go ask, okay, what do you need from me? Because <laughs> a lot of times it's not what you think it is. <laughs> yeah, it's either, you know, I want you to empathize, listen and empathize or talk through this, or I need a solution. Or a um, hug. Yeah, well, yeah, or so that's, that's empathy. So, yeah. you know, if I just say, what do you need from me? And she said, I need a hug. And I'm like thinking, you're messing with me. <laughs> that's too easy. Well, yeah, exactly. How do guys connect with you, find you? What's your website? How do we find the... More about the book, Tandem. MarriedEntrepreneur.co gets you everything, right? There's a, a link also to our book, Tandem, The Married Entrepreneur's Guide for Greater Work-Life Balance. You can even download the first chapter for free. And our podcast is Power Up Your Marriage and Business. That you can go on a website too, or it's on all the podcast players as well. Everybody listening, if you go to our show notes, uh, and you'll see it on their website too, there's a link for a work-life balance guide, which is going to create some great conversations with you and your spouse. And the the other thing I just want to point out, because I love it, guys, your your company's name is I-61 Inc., and it comes from Isaiah 61, verse 4. I just want to read it and then just let you guys kind of land the plane. But this is this. They will rebuild ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have devastated for generations. And that is what you guys focus on, right? You're, you're, you, I love that you are called to strengthen kingdom-focused businesses and those marriages um, so that that can then you know, partner with God and the work he's doing, impact communities, and get back to a place of, you know, things transformed and things thriving. And I so love what you're doing in the world and how you're doing it. And that said, 
what are just your final thoughts you want to leave with everybody? Kaylee, let's start with you. I would say we want our small business to be more profitable so that they can take that extra time that they have now and put it back into the family. And that small business, we need you guys. You are very important because we raise up leaders. We change communities. We hire people. If you go to, you're at the soccer game. If you go to the baseball field, you look at the back of the jerseys. It's all small business people that are sponsoring. It's not the big box. And um, yes, we just have a heart for small business and we want you to succeed. Yeah. And as as a Christian, Right. When we feel we've got to put the weight of the business on our shoulders, then there's no room for God. And if you're really a kingdom business, want to build a kingdom business to really make an impact in the community, as you're talking about, John, earlier in our conversation, then God's got to be first and then your family and then watch him bless the rest. Right. If you really believe that God is in control of everything, that God should be in control of your business, then put him first, put your family second and then allow him to bless the rest. And, you know, with the time you do have in the business, be more productive, not just busy, mm-hmm. right? Lean on God. Don't lean on your own understanding, but look to God for some direction of how do you be more productive with the time you have as opposed to putting more time into the business, which is going to rob time away from faith and family, <laughs> right? See how that works? And so, you know, when we started our business with the I-61 with that verse, we thought, yeah, let's raise up kingdom business. You know, as we go along, we thought, wait a second, the kingdom has to start from home. Sorry, at home. So let's reflect that at home first, and then that can get imparted to our business, which then gets imparted to the community. So if we have enough of those healthy kingdom businesses that are God and family first, you're really going to see transformation in the community. I love that. So to summarize what you both said, right, what starts with God personally, mm-hmm. then goes to family. What works then in the family can go into your organization. And then what is then in your organization can affect your community locally. And then that has the potential to influence and be part of a movement nationally. And that is, I believe, the God's formula on how to disciple nations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. We're not called immediately, let's say, jump to the front of the line and be the next, um, you know, Billy Graham. How did he get there? Right. He was faithful to God. He, he followed that. Pro- God has a process for everything. So, Love that you said that. Focus on, you know, doing the important things well, and then trust God to grow. And and folks, the other part we didn't really get to talk to, because I think it was so important to talk about some of the relational sides of business. But some of the things you guys put in the book, just on the business size, you know, sales, your margins, how um, strategy, branding, there's so much good stuff in here. And it's combining everything we just talked about with the business stuff, which I don't see um, done well very often, but you guys have accomplished that. So uh, I just want to say that as a, just a further, like we all need to get better. Um, one of the things Don and I do, and this is actually one of the books we'll be reading. We started uh, a few years ago is taking a book and reading it together and then talking about it. And man, does it lead to some great conversations for us and then just keeps us on the same page. But you know what, both of you, I just pray that God just keeps blessing your your business and your ministry is mission, your business is mission. And just I'm um, very thankful that uh, Steve connected us. So God bless yeah. you all. God bless you, John. Thank, Thank you, you John.